Church family. While you gather for worship today, I just wanted to take a moment and pray for us. This weekend, I'm speaking at the Michigan State Youth Convention, and I'm so excited to be there. And please be praying for those youth. Pray for encounters with Jesus in their lives, not only for the youth who are there from Alma, but youth who are gathering from all over the Church of God congregation here in Flint, Michigan. The State Youth Convention is being held at First Church of God in St. Joe, Michigan. It's a lot of fun to be at that church because that's where I grew up, and so it feels like home. Uh, and while I am in St. Joe, I'm so grateful that Pastor Bill Shepard is with you. Uh, Pastor Bill Shepard is the Associate Pastor of Children and Family Ministry from First Church of God in St. Joe. So we're kind of switching churches for the day. Um, because I grew up there, uh, Bill and Brenda Shepard uh, have known me for a very long time. So I'm trusting that um, Pastor Bill won't have too many embarrassing stories to tell you about me. Um, but uh, I'm so excited for you to get to know Bill a little bit better. Uh, some of you have been getting to know him because uh, Bill serves as one of the non-resident governing board members on our church board here in Alma. That means several times a year he's coming over and spending time with us and, and helping us uh, to lead well. And we're so grateful for him. And I'm so excited, church family, for more of you to get to know him this weekend. He's an incredible leader, and he's been working with children and families in different capacities for more than 30 years. Uh, he has experience as an educator, as a middle school principal, and now, of course, as a pastor. I know that God has something special to say to you through Pastor Bill today. Church family, would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Bill Shepard? Well, good morning, Alma. It is good to be here with you this morning. It is an honor. Brenda and I, my wife and I, are glad to be joining you this morning. Um, thank you, Aaron, for that very nice um, uh, introduction. Uh, yes, we have known the Moss family for many, many years, um, and um, uh, Brenda and I were actually talking on the way up uh, this uh, last night. We were like, I wonder if there are any really good stories that I should share about Aaron. And we began to talk about uh, the family, and, and we both came to the realization that Aaron was just a really great kid. And so I don't have any really uh, st deep stories to share with you, at least this time, um, plus, I would like to be invited back sometime, and, you know, I want to make sure I, I behave myself. We have um, three children, so Brent and I were able to come up last night and spend the night and see our son, who is at uh, Central Michigan University, Fire Up Chips, and um, he's studying in elementary education, and so we were able to come up and spend some time with him, and that was a blessing. Uh, we have an older daughter and our son-in-law. They live in uh, Lansing, Michigan, and she attends Michigan State University. Go Green! Yeah, yeah. Several, several people got up and left. Um, but uh, so she's studying medicine at Michigan State University. And then my youngest daughter is studying ministry in Oklahoma at Mid-America Christian University, one of our church uh, universities. And so we're, we're just, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in balmy St. Joe, Michigan. Um, yeah, we, you know, who would have thought that at this point, well, maybe you all know that, but who would have thought at this point that we'd be driving, traveling through winter storm watches and things uh, coming up last night, seeing the snow, um, I guess it's inevitable. Um, 
So we're, I'm just really enjoying being part of the governing board here. Uh, it's been great getting to know your church and getting to hear your heart for ministry and, and your kingdom mindset. It is so exciting to see the things that are happening in and around Alma. I'm really excited about his place and what's going on there. That's very exciting. And um, I just know that there's a lot of great things that God has in store for this congregation. You have some tremendous leaders here. You're very blessed to be led by Aaron Moss, Aaron Moss Taylor. Um, and um, she is a super leader. Not only is she, I'm sure, respected here, but she is respected all over the state of Michigan and throughout the movement. And so you have got a gem and a leader and very blessed to know leader her as a friend. And so thank you again for sharing um, her with our congregation in St. Joe, Michigan. We were just, uh, before the service began, we were checking to see if the live stream was working in our place and if it was working here and all that kind of stuff. And she is already underway uh, we talked briefly this morning, and she's very excited to be there. As a matter of fact, when um, we learned that Aaron was going to come to St. Joe, everybody was like, yes, Aaron's going to be here. It was so exciting. And then, they were, and then I said, yeah, well, I'm going to go up and preach for her and Alma. And they were like, oh. <laughs> so Aaron is a great lady. So thanks again for your warm welcome this morning. We are very glad to be here. A couple of months ago, I was... Um, at a meeting with some leaders, and we were sitting in a room, and we were beginning to think about what this COVID, post-COVID world, what, what has it done to us as leaders? What has it done to us as people? And we began to talk a little bit about that, and they began to share some of their fears and some of their anxieties about this world that we're, we're involved with now and that we're coming out of, and we began to talk a little bit about the fear that they have, that they really have no way of knowing what's coming. It's a fear of this uncertain future that we don't have any idea what tomorrow's going to hold. I used to be able to sit in my office as a, when I was a principal or as a teacher or as a, a pastor, and I'd be able to, would know, well, in November this is going to happen, and in December this is going to happen, and then January this is going to happen, and yet today we all sit here not really knowing what tomorrow's going to hold. And it creates an overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear in people who lead people, and really in all people, because we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. But years ago, after my wife and I were married, we, we were headed to the wedding of a friend, and we decided that we would take a minute and pause and, and take a little tri extra side trip, and we would go canoeing. Now, uh, we like canoeing, and so we we're excited about this opportunity and uh, perhaps a little bit, we thought a little bit more of ourselves and our canoeing skill than perhaps actually played out. But we arrived at the livery and we checked in and we were given two choices. We could take a leisurely canoe trip down the river or we could go on uh, the, the trip that is, has a high level, that where a high level of skill is really needed. So we, we mulled that around a little bit. We thought about that. And, you know, we were, since we were self-proclaimed canoeing experts, we thought we would take the, the more ex experienced trip. Um, well, um, we were warned, though, that uh, to pull out of the river early, and that should have been our first cool right there, was going to be an expensive proposition, and there was at least a 75-80% chance that we would end up tipping over at some point. We were like, no, we got this. We got this, no problem. So fearlessly, we charged forward, got in the canoes, and started paddling down the river. Uh, now, we soon came to realize that they, in fact, were telling the truth. 
um, this was much more challenging than we realized. What we had envisioned as this nice day of canoeing soon, soon turned out to be something a little bit different. The river we chose turned out to be exactly as they described it. It was fast. There were 90-degree turns, obstacles lying in our path. It was quite a trip. We zigzagged our way um, as we slalomed down this river, and we hit our first corner, misjudged what we thought we would do, and into the river we went. Sure enough. Then we got ourselves collected, got back in the canoe, headed down the river, into the water, went again, and again, and again. As the story went, it kept going and going and going. At one point, we had hit this corner, and it, man, the water was going fast, and our canoe was zipping down the river, right? And it hit a log jam, flipped over, we went under the water, and for a moment, I thought Brenda was dead. Because I, I came back up, but I didn't see her come back up initially. Uh, obviously, she, she survived that canoe trip. Um, so, you know, fear and exhaustion began to grip us as we made our way down this river, stopping before each bend to make a plan. Some of our plans worked out, and some of them woefully did not. However, at some point, we began dreaming of that costly uh, removal from the river. As with the journey uh, down the river, life too can be scary and challenging and downright dangerous at times. Not knowing what the future will hold, will we sink, will we swim, will we capsize, will we float? What's behind the next bend in the river of our lives? We never know if the plans we will make will actually work out in the end. And sometimes we may be left wondering, should I have taken a different path, a different river? We worry about and fear about what's next, knowing that there's always something coming, always more bad news or, or more fear or more dread coming up at us, always new obstacles in our ways. See, Max Licato says it this way in his book, Anxious for Nothing. It's not so much the storm, but the certainty that one is coming, always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude, right? You can't relax. You can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary, short-term. It's not the sight of the grizzly bear, but the suspicion that there's one or ten or more behind every tree you've kept to. Beyond every turn, it, it, something bad is inevitable. It's just a matter of time until that, that grizzly bear leaps out, gives us his fangs, right, and gobbles us up. See, we are all wired to consider our future. But sometimes, well, we allow ourselves to, to camp out in this dark land of worry and fear for the future. And even though we, we read over and over again in scriptures, fear not, we still find ourselves dwelling in this dark, fearful place where we don't belong. God knew we would have issues with this thing called fear, hence his many, many reminders to us. But yet still. And yet, the what-ifs continue to play out over and over again in our heads. Does anybody else have a problem with the what-ifs in life? Yes. What-ifs are paralyzing. What if I get sick? What if this virus never goes away? And the media continues to sell its fear as a main commodity. Gas prices rise. Heating fuel goes up. My, what if my salary doesn't keep up? 
What if, we, what if we don't get a bonus? What if we can't afford braces for our kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? And what if these crooked teeth keep them from finding friends and, 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 and a spouse? What if, what if they end up homeless and hungry and holding a cardboard sign that says, my parents couldn't afford braces for me? What if? And right about the time we empty the nest, we end up with new stresses and worries and fears. We start thinking about retirement and wishing we had maybe started saving earlier, you know, back when we were spending all that money on diapers and formula and stuff like that and getting kids through school. I mean, will I ever be able to retire? Will I end up with the resources that I need to survive comfortably? We face health issues as, as, we, as our bodies age, health issues with our aging parents. A friend gets cancer. We fear for them. We fear we're next. We fear the, the loss of a loved one, and then it happens. We lose them, and we fear we cannot go on. We worry about growing old alone because of divorce and death. And to all this, a world of, of, of climate change and overpopulation and wars and political divide and racial discrimination and poverty issues, it's, it's overwhelming. It can be so super stressful. It induces anxiety and dread in us. See, the, the what-ifs and the fears that we allow ourselves to dwell in stalls our spirit, wreaks havoc on our souls, and drives us to fear the future. And it's into this, it's into this fearful, anxiety-driven world that we find ourselves living today. Parents have them, fears. Kids have those fears. Our airways show them on the news 24-7. Yes, we're living in a time of fear, knowing not what the future will hold, what tomorrow will bring. And God knew we'd struggle with this whole concept of fear. And he gave us a clear command right in the face of all of this. God says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, Fear not, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. God wants us to live without fear and actually commands us to do that. God, remi uh, God reminds us time and time again to fear not for I am with you, he says. The fact that God is with us is what enables us to fear not. See, God promises his presence Throughout scripture, people are regularly assured of God's presence. Jesus himself made this promise. I will be with you always. Now, some may say, sure, yeah, I hear you, Pastor, but, but God's presence does not guarantee that bad things are not going to happen to me. Bad things, in fact, still happen. Wars and rumors of wars still persist, and you'll be right to say that. In fact, Jesus punctuated it in John chapter 16. In this world, you will have trouble. But see, God being present does not mean that everything is going to go our way, that troubles will stay away from us. He's not Superman or, or Swooperman who swoops in to save the day whenever trouble comes. Think about what happened to Joseph. He was almost murdered by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused and put into prison. Through all these dark times, we read over and over in his story, God was with him. God's presence does not always keep Joseph, did not always keep Joseph from suffering, but God's presence did make a huge difference in his life and allowed him to have hope and strength through all, through all his hardship and pain. 
See, God never promises us a trouble-free future, but he does promise us to be present in the midst of our troubles. And as a result, we don't need to dwell, live, or camp in the darkness of fear. Look again at Isaiah 41. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. God not only says that I'm with you, but he also says that I am your God. It's God's word to all of us. It's God's word to you and to me. It's, he's not just Isaiah's God. He's, he's our God. I'm not, I'm not just Joseph's God. He says, I'm your God. I'm not just the Apostle Paul's God. I am your God. We can know his presence in a very, very personal way. God does not sit back passively on some cloud in heaven in a rocking chair. God desires to be in you and fill you and fulfill you and surround you for your entire life. God wants to walk with you through this journey we call life with all of his failures and all of his falls and all of his pains. So will my future involve hurts and disappointments? Likely. Will my journey take unexpected turns? Probably. But we don't have to look to our future and be afraid and dismayed because God says to you, I am with you. I am your God. And there's more. Toward the end of 40, uh, verse, 40, uh, verse 10, he says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes we, we hold on to that false hope that uh, God won't let anything bad happen to us. And when bad things happen, and they do happen, our faith falls apart. Our, we become paralyzed in fear. We, we don't know how to move forward or go on. We, we, do not, we do not need to take that journey in our minds and our souls, though. I am holding you up, he says. I am strengthening you, he says. There is no need to be afraid because God gives us what we need to get through the toughest times that we are facing today or tomorrow or next year. <clears throat> a year ago, this week, some friends of ours were in a horrific accident. They lost their uh, high school son, and they themselves were badly injured. Multiple surgeries, wounds deeper than skin, created hurt beyond any of my comprehension. As the weeks went by and they became healthy enough to leave the hospital, they went directly into planning their child's funeral. I cannot imagine anything more horrific, fear-driven than that. But from their wheelchairs, as we sang that song, It Is Well With My Soul, my friend, her mother, his mother, raised her hands in worship as she worshiped her God and said goodbye to her son. Her life dismantled in a blinking of an eye. And yet, Jesus. And yet, Jesus. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea bills roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Their lives firmly anchored in Christ in a terrible storm, but looking toward the future. I'd like to say that the tragedy ends there. But three days later, she too went home to be with Jesus and reunited with her son. And once again, we gathered a week later and supported her husband as he said goodbye to his wife. 
that same song he desired to be filled in that sanctuary. That same song, it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Their lives firmly anchored, sad but not fearful. What will come tomorrow? What's next, he could be saying. Fear could have enveloped him. He could have been afraid to venture out and carry on, but that's not the story. I'm sure he had those days. I know he had those days. And yet, Jesus. And yet, Jesus. He moves forward with faith each and every day. And through it all, Jesus has carried and continues to carry him and strengthen him. See, friends, when troubles come and we get beaten down by circumstances and our will to go on is weak, it is then that we realize that promise is true. I will strengthen you, says the Lord. I will strengthen you when you don't have enough, uh, enough courage and strength to go on. I will help you when you don't think you can take it any longer. I will hold you when everything is falling apart around you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. And that promise of strength is something that's needed even more so today in this world. So now let's take a look at how Jesus brought even a little bit more light to this issue of fear of a future. If you're in your Bibles, we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, it says this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. See, Jesus here is speaking to everyday people about the basics of survival. And we all know people who are in that mode of basics of survival, right? In order to survive, they need, we need to have food and clothing. He is speaking to people who probably at some point have had to struggle with putting food on the table and clothes on the backs of their kids. I, I, I imagine Jesus looking up for a moment and seeing a, a beautiful bird perched in a nearby tree, and he points to it. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? See, God values us. You are important to God, more important than birds. So don't worry. He's, at, he's beginning to help us take, uh, take our fears and put them into some perspective here. And he goes on to say, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? See, Jesus teaches that, that the, the, the root of cause of fear right here is death. It's a fear of losing our lives or the fear of a loved one losing their life. Focusing on our worries will not extend our lives even a fraction of a second, let alone improve it. Besides, we know that things sometimes that we worry about or are fearing about, right, don't turn out quite as bad as we think they might, right? A scholar once said, worry about the future is wasted effort. The future of reality is seldom as bad as the future of our fears. We tend to make things bigger than they really are. Then Jesus kind of looking around, notices some flowers growing in a nearby field, and he points to them, he says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed 
like one of these. They neither toil nor spin. Isn't that what we do? In order to overcome our fear of the future, overcome something we may be afraid of, we toil and we spin and we toil and we sprint and we get on this, we get stuck on this merry-go-round of fear and fret, of anxiousness and worry that we forget that all-important point that God is for us. He walks with us. He never leaves us. So Jesus continues in Matthew 6.30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, Jesus gets down to the core issue here of our fear. It's a lack or a deficiency of faith. Fear can only sprout and grow in soil that lacks faith. Where faith is increased, fear melts away. And so he says, therefore, and I love the word therefore in Scripture, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious. Since you know that God is, is able and loving, do not be anxious. The only way to not be anxious is to come to a point of trust in God. Anxiety stems from this root of disbelief in a God who has the power and desire to meet our needs. And he goes on to say in Matthew 6, 31, 32, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Our Father knows what we need. God's not clueless. God is not surprised by our difficulties and our struggles. God never says, Oops, didn't see that one coming. God is never caught looking the other way when things don't go our way. And God knows what we need. Now, here's the deal. He also knows what we want. And there's a difference. I think sometimes we get mixed up on the difference between our needs and our wants. But God never gets mixed up. And from God's position, overseeing this grand painting of humanity, he knows exactly what we need when we need it. And God provides what he knows we need. So instead of being anxious, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you are fearing today, whatever you may be thinking about as you walked into the sanctuary today, Whatever fear may be in front of you, whatever may be coming at you, like the train, you know, with the light coming at you, what is that out there? Have you sought first the kingdom of God? Have you, have you sought the Lord and found that he delivers you from your fears? A large old Bible frequently used by Abraham Lincoln during the critical war, years of the Civil War, falls easily open to Psalm 34. It is said that when one reads that passage, it's noteworthy that one part of that passage is smudged in that old Bible. It is apparent that the president had often placed his finger on that spot in that old Bible. And here's what that psalm, part of the psalm says. I sought the Lord... And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Smudged. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. See, fear intends harm for us. 
Worry and fear wears on our minds and wears out our body. It affects our judgment and hampers our ability to make decisions. Fear takes away our peace of mind. Fear stresses our nervous system. It makes us selfish. It keeps us from acting in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Seek first the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, God is king. Do we seek first to make God king of our lives? He will deliver us from our fears. See, when God is king of our lives, everything kind of falls into place. So it goes on to say, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is not saying that as Christians we, we cannot or should not make plans, nor is he saying that believers ought to literally ignore anything but the most immediate question of the day. His context here surrounds the emotions of fear and anxiety. Those who trust in God shouldn't allow themselves to wallow in useless worry about that future. We shouldn't allow ourselves to step into that dark world of fear, anxiety, and dread and live there and dwell there and spin there and toil there. Tomorrow's fight will happen tomorrow. The battle to trust God is always happening in the very current moment. Today has plenty of trouble with which we need to trust God. We shouldn't try to solve all the problems of all time at one time. Let God provide what we need each day. So friends, I don't know where we are, where you are today with this idea of fear and anxiety. I know it seems to envelop the whole world. But let us not be anxious about our fear for tomorrow, even when we're facing difficult things. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 13b. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. When the famous um, author Robert Louis Stevenson, Stevenson said, was a little child, he accidentally locked himself in a room and couldn't get out. As darkness came on, it is said he became terror-stricken. When his father was unable to open the door, he sent for a locksmith. But while he waited, he talked to his son through the keyhole. Hearing his dad's soothing conversation and voice and knowing he was there was all the young Robert really needed. Dear friends, you need to know that your Heavenly Father is close and he cares for you. He's speaking to you. Are you listening? Can you hear his voice today? Listening to God's voice and knowing he is there is all we really need when we become fearful. So friends, today, face your fears with faith. When we remember who God is and what God has done, we can approach our fears from a place of faith. God is the one who made us, who redeemed us through Jesus Christ, the Son, who sustains us through the Holy Spirit. God promises to never leave us or forsake us, but to be with us always, even, even in our darkest days. And friends, today, surrender your fear. If you're carrying fear today, surrender it to God. You know the saying, your will be done? Well, it's a lot easier to say than do. But freedom from fear and anxiety results from surrendering it to God, dropping it off, and leaving it at the foot of the cross. When we are weak, God is strong. 
as much as we hate the lack of control and power that is, you know, a crucial part of our humanity, it reminds us that God is in control. God is sovereign. We don't know what the future will hold. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. We, won't, we don't know what three hours will hold from now. We have no control, but we can trust in the one who does. 1 Peter 5, 7 urges us to cast all of our anxieties and fears on God because he cares for you. No matter how big our fears and challenges might seem, God is bigger. And from the, uh, the great theologian, the Veggie Tales, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Finally, fight fears with trust. Every day we are tempted to fear. Every day somebody tells us to be afraid of something. Fight for control. Doubt God or worry about tomorrow. So we must fight. We must fight fear with trust. We must fight fear with contentment. We must fight fear with truth. Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Will things get worse? Fear not. Trust God. Will I lose my health? Fear not. Trust God. Will I keep my job? Fear not. Trust God. Will my loved ones struggle this year? Fear not. Trust God. Will my investments collapse? Fear not. Trust God. Will tragedy strike my family? Fear not. Trust God. Will my children be disappointed in me? Fear not. Trust God. Will others ridicule my faith? Fear not. Trust God. Will my plans come to nothing? Fear not. Trust God. Will I face death this year? Fear not. Trust God. And any of these things might actually happen to us. Indeed, some of them are likely to happen to us eventually. But the word of the Lord remains. Fear not. The Lord himself is with us today and he will be with us tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow. It's not God's will that we lead life in, in, in perpetual fear and anxiety. Max Lucado says it's not his will that you face every day the, with dread and trepidation. He made you for more than a life of breath-stealing angst and mind-splitting worry. He has a new chapter for your life. And he's ready to write it. My question is, and his question is, are you ready to live it? Would you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder to fear not. We thank you that you are with us, you are holding us, you are strengthening us, you are walking with us, you are guiding us, you are carrying us through all of our life's journey. And God, no matter what we may be fearing, what may be coming down the road, no matter what the diagnosis may say, no matter what the job situation looks like, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what they say about the virus, no matter what they say about our health, God, we know that you are in control, that you are guiding, you are caring, you are loving, and you are strengthening us. And God, help us to keep that in the forefront of our thinking, to not get stuck into the fear-wallowing dark room of our lives, but to keep our eyes fixed on your light and your love 
God, thank you for my friends here in Alma. God, I just pray for them. I pray for all today who are experiencing anxiety, who are experiencing fear, God, who are living in that place right now. God, I ask that you just touch them in a special way today, God, that you help them to feel your presence and help pull them from that dark room. God, help us in all of our days to walk with our eyes fixed solely on you. And it's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.